kind of recap what we, what we went over last week. It was like, I think, three or four verses. Uh, but Paul was encouraging the believers in Thessalonica to uh, love one another. Like, even though he says, you know, as, as you've already been told, Jesus already told you, love one another. As you guys are doing, grow in it more and more and more, that you would increase, right? That you would aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. And remember, we really like that verse. Mind your own business. It's in the Bible, right there. And to work with your own hands. As we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, that you may lack nothing. And again, context, uh, they believed that, that Jesus was coming back any minute. And so they'd like stopped working. They'd kind of like stopped kind of doing the main things they were supposed to be doing. And what what Paul's reminding them is the best witness you could have is continuing to live like a quiet life for Jesus. Like, like live a quiet, hardworking, working with your hands uh, and minding your own business. And, and that in and of itself is a witness. So, you know, sometimes we, we talked about this. We like to think God's called us to these extreme measures. He's like, no, I've called you to simple things that are very difficult, right, which is to live it out day by day in your work ethic, in the way you deal with one another, and the way you speak of one another, and the way you value your, your community and honor God. So he says, that'll be your witness to the outside world. So verse 13, if you'll stand, we'll read through these verses together. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe uh, that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say that you, by the word of the Lord, uh, say, we say to you by the word of the Lord, um, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, uh, and the, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Lord, as we get into your word this morning and... and uh, we're speaking of hope and comfort. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us hope and comfort, that we would align ourselves with you, that we wouldn't be ignorant in the things you don't want us to be, like, informed, the things you want us to be informed about, that we would know, Lord, beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, God, we pray that you'd speak to us by your word, Lord, that you'd fill us with your spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to be changed. So we thank you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. You may be seated. Verse 13. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. Paul does not want the Thessalonians to be ignorant. Uh, the other translation, and actually in most uh, translations, it's uninformed. 
Uh, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be, because ignorant kind of sounds like a, a slam, you know? You're ignorant. Uninformed sounds a little, like, kinder, I guess. Uh, but either way, he doesn't want us to, to lack this information. Um, a lot of people fall away from the truth because we're ignorant, you know? Uh, the Christian faith is meant to be sought after with great attention, right? We're supposed to know what we believe. I think there's so many have fallen away, especially recently, because they literally don't know what they believe. So somebody brings something up to them, and they can't tell the difference between a truth and a lie, they don't know what they really believe, and they're afraid that, oh, man, if I go down this road, how dark is it going to be? I want to encourage you that the Christian faith holds water. I mean, like following, this holds water, right? And so it's important, and I think this is actually really important for those of you raising children or have a big influence in, like, grandchildren's life, or you just, whatever, you're, you're involved in, in the next generation's life, is to help them vet their faith and to be honest about what you really struggle with and, and, and having a hard time, you know, getting through. It's meant to be looked at, you know, and, and, and studied intensely, right? So he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know who you are and what you believe, right? So, you know, it, it, being ignorant and uninformed, it honestly, like, leaves us super vulnerable to deception, right? Like, you could see it. You, you could see when people are vulnerable, right? And, and if, you know, if you go to, like, a big city or something, I remember going to New York, and we were doing this big, um, like, ninth grade field trip thing, and uh, there's just guys, like, watching your group with fanny packs, you know, uh, that are just screaming tourists, you know? And it's just like, man, you know they got cash on them. You know, it's like you're just so obviously you don't know where you're at, you know? That sort of a thing. So you're, you, you, you recognize that and you're, you're, you're aware of that. And so you're vulnerable to deception, right? So we know that's true. We know that being, being uninformed or ignorant, it leaves us, it leaves us vulnerable, which is not good, um, so it can be vetted. Knowing what we believe is, is important, right? First Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Um, I've, you know, I've been, in the last year and a half, we've been in this intensive study group, you know, where we're, it's like, you know, all these pastors and and we're diving deeper than I didn't even know you could dive into stuff and you're like I didn't even know I that that was an issue but whoa that's wild and and it's like the further you go the deeper it you get it, it can be like wait wait a minute what a minute wait is the walls can, it's like and then you you come out the other side and you're like I am so much more equipped and ready to share my faith because I believe it more than I've ever believed it before I have seen it through you know, and, and that's a lot of times when we find ourselves struggling or you're like, I'm doubting. I don't know what about this or what about that. Man, just keep on going and pressing in. Keep on seeking the Lord, having good conversations. If you're struggling, by the way, come talk to me. I'd love to talk with you. You know, like I'd love to be able to help walk through all these different things just to know you're not alone. You know, I, I think uh, we all got to be careful as to act like we're something we're not, right? But Peter said it's important for us that we're ready to give a defense. 
for everyone for the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So it's like a humility aspect and like a holiness, right? Like a fear and uh, reverence, right? So we, we're meant to, to know and believe why we believe the things we believe. And so Paul's like, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know this. So when the storms come, you're ready, you know? I was watching, I've been watching the World Series. My team's out, which is so frustrating, you know? But I've become a Braves fan because I can't stand the Astros, right? Uh, I'm sorry if you're an Astros fan. Um, God bless you. You were obviously born in Houston or, I don't know, you just don't like things that are good. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's literally, it's a joke. That's not in the Bible. That was me. Um, but I was watching, and they were showing this play by uh, the second baseman on the Braves, Ozzie Albies. I've seen this video clip of him and Freddie Freeman doing this same thing over and over again, working this scoop, working the same scoop, coming through the ball, down through the ball, down through the ball, from this way, doing it all different directions. And then it shows him doing it in a game, and they say this, and it says, like, this was not a fluke. Like, he was prepared for this. So you spend all these hours preparing for this one move, and then on the biggest stage, the World Series, it's there when you need it, right? And a lot of us, I think, live our lives in a way where we're like, well, hopefully it works out. You know, God wants us to be prepared, informed, and to know why we believe the things we believe, right? So that it's solid. So when everything's shaking, we can hold on. Right? So this is a call, I think, to discipline. Uh, we should be disciplined. We should be students of the word. Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 through 17, we quote this often. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we go to the word and we study and we study, and we study. And when we have oppositions, we find those oppositions. And someone says, in the Bible it says this. You say, you show it to me in the Bible. And you know it. You you spend time studying. It's like a a different mindset. Because we're all good at studying things we enjoy, right? We all like, you know, everybody is an expert in something, right? God wants us to be an expert in knowing his word. And in doing so, knowing who we are, whose we are, what we're called to do. So what is the thing he wants us to not be ignorant about? Those who have fallen asleep. We had a memorial here yesterday, right? We were, we were uh, celebrating the life of Irma. And, and it, was, it was beautiful because she knew the Lord. It was beautiful in that sense. And there's a lot of sorrow and tears and pain because you miss the person that's gone but we, I use this exact verse. No one was be speaking about it today, right? You, you, the, this, actually, this section. Concerning those who, he doesn't want us to be ignorant or uninformed concerning those who've fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. We sorrow in what we call death. The Bible calls sleep, right? Because, you know, that person's not going to be here. You know, for however long we, we have left, we know we're going to be missing someone. You know, like they're not here. And that's painful. And, and to not sorrow usually means there's no love in some sense, right? I mean, to not have any pain or stuff, we might be delusional or we might be like, 
trying to convince ourselves of something that's not true. We, there, it's okay to, to, to mourn. I think it's a natural process to mourn. And, and mourning comes in waves and, and just different seasons. And sometimes you're doing great. And then all of a sudden something will come in. It'll be a memory or you'll hear a song or whatever. Man, if you miss someone, it's because you love them. But, but Paul's like, I want you to be informed so you don't mourn like those who have no hope. So what he's going to be talking about is the hope that we have. And it starts with calling death sleep. Right? Helps us to understand right off the bat, calling death sleep. Jesus, when he was, uh, knew what he was going to be dealing with, Lazarus um, being dead, he, he comes before and says, these things he said in John eleven eleven. he said, and after them, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And of course, he's being mocked, right, for this. But he's like saying, he sleeps, I'm going to go wake him up. The idea of sleep is that this is really not the end. I was listening to a message by Dr. Tony Evans, and, and he was, it was actually for uh, the memorial for his, mo- or his wife's passing. I was like, man, this is going to be intense. You know, and it was a beautiful, I mean, if you could find the message, I, if you could find it, I could give it to you. I know where it is. It's on YouTube, but I could show it if you, you're interested. I could direct it. I, it was incredible, like, to hear the way he spoke about his wife and, and what she meant and, and just his view of eternity and how God was ministering right up to the very end. But he says, life, it's like a balloon filled with air, you know, and it's like our bodies are like the, the, the rubber you know, the actual balloon part. And it pops, and then all of a sudden, the air the air's still there, right? It's like, you, you're not gone. Your soul is not gone. It, it's like the body is gone, but you, you continue on. So it's like this idea of sleep, right? This is not like just a, a, a feeling or motivational speech. It's based on facts, Right, And the, the major issue why Paul brings this up is because the Thessalonians were struggling, right? They had expected the imminent return of Jesus. Like it was going to happen like any time. And so it's, what's interesting, you look throughout church history and it's always like that, you know? Like the, he's come, the rapture's coming before I'm gone. I'm sure of it. We, we all live like that. And, and the idea is you go, oh, man, what, that's embarrassing. That didn't happen. No, our, our job is to live with that kind of expectation. So we live with like a different mindset. We don't live like the world lives. We live for like a bigger hope, right? And so I think that God like allows us to have that imminent idea. But what the Thessalonian church was struggling with was they thought it was gonna, he was coming back like really soon. And then some of them had died. And they're like, what do we do with that? What happens to them, right? So they're struggling with reconciling that that belief of him coming back. And then, you know, those who had had passed on, right? And, And it's important to understand the reason to understand this is that it brings hope, real hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, so will those who sleep, right? Just like Jesus was the first, the preeminent one, right? That's a big theme in Colossians, that Jesus goes before us in everything. Just as he died and was risen again, so will those who died in Christ be raised again. Their body will be resurrected again, right? We're going to have these new bodies, these new you know, for the new heavens and the new earth, but he's going to come and he's going to bring them with him. 
If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, believe that he will do the same for those who sleep in him. Right? And that's such a, an encouragement to hear. You know, one of the, the uh, another quote I'd gotten when I was listening to that message was that, you know, on this side, uh, here on earth, and I mentioned it at the memorial yesterday, earth, for those who are in Christ, is the most hell we'll ever experience. It's the worst it's going to get. Like, it'll never get worse. So, so it's like, man, I am struggling. <sighs> this will be it, you know? This is going to be the worst it's going to get. This is going to be the most darkness you'll experience is what we'll experience on earth. Not to say it won't get darker while you're here on earth, but that this, is, this is the suffering. This is the pain. This is sin's great, you know, grab on our throats. But to those who aren't in Christ, this is the most heaven you'll experience. I think we could all say we, we experience degrees of of both heaven and hell here on earth, right? Where, where you know, you're in a majestic scene like the Grand Canyon or up on top of a 13,000-foot mountain looking out or, or, you know, at Niagara Falls or, you know, here in Carlsbad. <laughs> and you just, like, there's a feeling of heaven, being alone with the Lord. As we worship, sometimes we get in it, into it and, and God's moving and you feel the Spirit moving and there's, like, uh, it's, it's, like, literally, like, a, you're like, it's like a glimpse of heaven, Right? So we experience that, but we also experience a glimpse of hell, like, uh, you know, of, of how, especially before knowing Christ, being separated, being alone, feeling the most darkness and hopeless we'll ever experience. So it's really important to, to think of it in, with that mindset. So if we're stuck on this world, then we're missing out on something so much greater. And if you think that this world is all there's living for, then this might be your heaven. But you're called to something so much greater. So Paul says, don't worry, you know. Here, let me give you hope. Let me comfort you. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So he's saying, don't worry, those who've fallen asleep in Christ, they're gonna be leading the way even before you, right? So if you're, if you're you know, you've gone on to sleep and you're sleeping in Christ and, and, and you know, man, I actually just know in our church there's been a lot of loss of loved ones in the last couple of years, right? Yeah, it's been, it's been a struggle, you know? I mean, how many people, I mean, we could do this, I guess, even. How many people have lost someone they've loved at some point in their life? 100%, right? Is it 100%? You know, I didn't have to deal with death for a long time in, when I was growing up. And then I, it kind of starts snowballing, you know? It feels like someone goes and then the next one goes. And then uh, I had a friend die when I was 15. And it was like a whole nother level, you know. It was just like a whole, just, I don't think I'd ever experienced that kind of like pain or frustration. Didn't know what to do with it. I remember just like punching stuff out in the backyard, you know. Just like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I, I, it was just the struggle, the pain, all that, you know. And so, there's something really unnatural about death. 
just like there's something really unnatural about evil. Um, I've been reading a book and it's talking about evil. Like how do we reconcile evil with there being a God in the universe? And the idea is you can't reconcile evil. Evil's not meant to be understood in the context of God because God is not evil, right? And so there's, there's this, this part where we, we're trying to make sense of everything, but it's like that just does not, it's not gonna make sense. We're not gonna have the lens for that. And, and we can really run a risk when we're trying to find answers for everything. Oh, God will show you some, you know, he'll make it clear why that happened. We, that does not always the case, is it? What we know is that he promises he'll go with us and he'll take us through. And we know the promise that those who have gone on to pass on as, as, as they know Jesus, we will be reunited with them. They will come back with Christ. It is not the end. And I'm encouraged, I was sharing again yesterday in, our, uh, in the memorial, heaven is just so much greater than we think. Like just so much greater. The more you look at it, the more I study it, the more I understand what like the new heavens and the new earth look like. It's like, I'm so stoked and ready. So I think when I was a kid, I was kind of scared of eternity because I thought it was like this place with just gold streets and you got to sing the whole time. I was just thinking, I'm not into that. You know, like, is that, hey, listen, and, and you know, well-meaning, listen, check this out. Heaven is just going to be you singing the whole time to Jesus. And you're like, forever? Obviously, we're missing contacts, you know? And then, you know, the band Audio Adrenaline came out and told us it was a, you know, there's this father's house that was made for us, right? And we've shared that, you know, big yard where you can play football and all this and that. So we got all these different images in our mind. But I believe the new heaven, the new earth is this perfect place where everything is realigned and the way it was supposed to be, no sin, no death, no pain, no struggle. Fruit tastes better than ever. We eat, we feast. Good news, right? We know each other. We have relationships with one. You're going to know people that you know. It, it, it is so much less ambitious. Think about it. God, when he does stuff, even the, the supernatural stuff, it's usually in natural ways, isn't it? It does it in such interesting way. So it's not like he's going to throw away the whole thing. And start, it's going to be a redeemed view of creation. The kingdom uh, fully established, you know? We're, we're, we get glimpses of it now as we see people receiving Jesus and seeing lives literally transformed. And we could see the, the amazing effect of, of those who follow Jesus and are, are walking in, uh, in his spirit being used to minister and to see the world changed for the better. Much of the, you know, uh, humanitarian aid and, and much of like the, you know, great, uh, medical efforts were birthed out of the church to make the world a better place. And so we see glimpses of that going out, but it's going to be this fully restored, perfect creation. And I can't wait, right? And so they're being encouraged, don't worry. Those who, you know, who, who are asleep in Christ, they will come before you. So Jesus comes first, he brings those who are asleep, and then what happens? Then 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So what are we talking about here? Talking about the rapture of the church. 
So we're talking about the church being removed from the earth, those who are in Christ. There's lots of different views on exactly how this takes place or where it takes place, um, but scripturally, it's, it's, it's there, right? And uh, if you're pre-trib, you believe, which is Calvary Chapel, right, that we're out of here before it all blows up. And you're thinking, you're looking at your watch like, seems like that might be soon. <laughs> It'd be great, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, and so you're looking at, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Is it coming? Uh, you're seeing, like, things line up all over the place, right? Um, obviously, we know there's been quite a few predictions made. Anytime you see a prediction, you could just pretty much say that it's not going to be that day. Thank you. Can someone please stop saying days? Like, I saw like a video that popped up and said, today, or it said, Halloween, uh, the 31st, it's going to be, and I'm like, all right. I'd be, I'd be really interested in that if I haven't seen that a thousand times before about all these dates that have passed. Um, the idea is we don't know exactly when. And by the way, next week, we're going to hit this again in a little more depth as we get into chapter five. But the idea is the dead are raised in Christ as Christ comes. We meet them in the air. Those, we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, with the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be, always be with the Lord. Um, I think a lot of times the idea of the pre-tribulation rapture is the idea that God has said he's not going to uh, put us under wrath, right? And seemingly, if you're reading Revelation, it goes that way, right? But there's people, good and godly believers, who believe it's going to be a mid-tribulation rapture or believe it's going to be a post-tribulation rapture. I remember uh, the youth pastor I worked for when I first got saved at Packing House, Calvary Redlands. He says, I'm a pre-trib until I see the rise of the Antichrist. So he, he was like, and then I'm a mid-trib, and then if we get to this point, then I'm post-trib. And you go, okay, covering your bases, man, you know. Uh, obviously, you know, we, what we try to do is come up with the best thing that, that most aligns with Scripture, but this seemingly would be most consistent with what we see as the whole of Scripture. But the idea here is, yeah, it is to be reminded that this world is not our home, especially as you see the day approaching. And I think one of the dangers we have is because there's been so many predictions and, and so many Bible decoders over the years is that people have lost the ability to even believe it's going to happen at all. And the Bible warns us about that. You know, don't, don't think it's not going to happen. It, it, it's going to happen, right? Like, don't think that Jesus isn't coming back. He is coming back. And this isn't the second coming of Jesus in the sense of uh, with the judgment. This is like the removal of the church so everything else goes down, right? So, uh, yeah, the, but the idea is not, you know, it's just to be reminded that, that this is not what we're living for. And we need that reminder. We really, really need that reminder that we're living for something better. But here's the trick, okay? You know, because he wants us to be comforted by this. Here's the trick, is how to align what we learned last week with this week, right? And that's what Paul was really encouraging him. Guys, don't worry. Don't live for this world. It's all, you know, it's all going to be 
gone and changed just like that. And eternity is all that's going to matter. Don't invest everything here, right, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, you know. But, but, but look and invest in, and, and store up your treasures in heaven, right, where things really matter. But yet, we're called, as we're living here, to work hard every day. To be invested in the world we're living in with our mind and our eyes looking to eternity. And I think, I think the, the real, you know, the trick here, I guess, is by having your eyes on eternity is what helps us to be the best workers here and now. You know, because a lot of times we, we can look around and we go, man, I, you know, I just... I feel like things are unfair. I feel like the world is like really starting to get really weird and unfair and all this and that. And, and then we remember like whose we are. We belong to Jesus and we represent him and we're told we're gonna deal with a lot of the same stuff he was dealing with. And so it's with that understanding of our future hope that is eternity with, with Christ, uh, with one another, all the saints together, that helps us to live this world and this life well. The end of Paul's life, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he, he's saying, like, I fought the good fight, I've run the race, and he's saying, There's a crown waiting for me. You know, I've kept the faith. Even through all the pain and all the struggles and all the troubles, I've kept the faith. I didn't back down. I didn't give up. So uh, the idea is not to give up on the world, it's to invest in the world because we know what's coming next. Right? So we're investing in people, not investing our treasures here, though. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, our, our, our hope is in heaven, but our actions are here on earth. So it's by the hope in heaven that we are able to minister to those who are here on the earth. And it changes our perspective, right? And, and it's really it's the same thing Jesus did. He despised the shame of the cross, but he looked forward to what it was going to accomplish. He was heavenly minded. He was about heaven's mission. So that helped him to walk here on this earth faithfully, enduring pain and struggle, fighting the good fight, not giving up. You know? I, I absolutely believe that the reason the gospel message or, or you know, the whole gospel, the, the life and death of Jesus uh, and the starting of the church, the birth of the church, was in one of the worst and most restrictive governmental entities, the Roman Empire, right? I think that it was meant for us to see that and go, okay, you know what? We want a good government. We want a, a good uh, fair. We want everything to be good. But, but that's why they were looking for a Messiah that would overturn the whole thing, right? Bring in the Messiah so he can start chopping heads off and bring us back into where we're supposed to be. So that Israel can be prominent again. So everyone can see where God's people belong. And, and all of a sudden Jesus showed up and they're like, this is him? Born from a sketchy lineage, you know, in a barn, had to run away, live in Egypt. You know, I, I heard a really good uh, announcement. Him living in Egypt, uh, I heard someone say, think of a Syrian living in Germany. That would be like him living in Egypt. You know, 
It was not a pleasant situation. Then as he grows and as he's healing people, everywhere he goes, there's opposition. And yet there's also those who are hungry to hear more. Then he's brought in and beaten and, and brought before uh, the, you know, the council. And you know the story. He experienced the most pain. And, and I don't think we even have any clue how much he went through. I bet you it was way more graphic, way more gnarly than any of us would ever expect. Because he is the high priest that can sympathize with everything that we are going through. So I think it means he experienced everything. You know, fill in the blanks. You know what I'm saying? So he experienced all of that, but he was able to look beyond it because he was on mission, right? And so what happens? This is born in the Roman Empire. Okay, now we're going to take over. No, what happens? Nope. Yeah, it is going to be a takeover, but it's from the inside out. The church just grows and blows up, flourishes, right? And, and, and so there was movements happening all over the place. Uh, false gods can't stand anymore in, in the midst of the real, true, living God and his people. And so we're called in that same context to be missionaries of heaven on earth, right? Until he calls us home. You know what? And, and, and if you're obsessed with him the when he's going to do it, then it's going to kind of feel like forever. Like, you know, we just drove to Idaho a couple months ago or a month ago or whatever. And, the kid, you know, I remember I think Hazel, when we were somewhere on a 395, are we almost there? And you're like, oh, child, no. <laughs> we only have 12 more hours. <laughs> oh, okay, that sounds good. You're like, you don't know what that means. <laughs> you know how it's like nine now? Well, it'll be nine then uh, by the time we're there. At night, you know, anyway. And you, just, and you got it, and they would start, the further we would go, they'd all kind of start saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you know what happens when you start saying, are we there yet? Not good, right? Just like watching a pot boil. Why isn't it boiling? You know, I don't understand. It should have been boiling by now. But then if you know, of course, when you're doing other stuff and you don't want it to boil over, it boils. It's like, how did that boil in one minute? I have no idea because I wasn't watching it. You know? So I, I don't think the intent is to be like constantly uber focused, but it's always in mind like, man, we know he's coming back. So that affects the way we live. Not to be weird and lazy. Not to be weird and like, uh, you, know, ugh, you know, getting super strange and being weird to everyone around us, but that we live the way we've been called to live throughout scripture with like an effective fervency. That we do it really, really well. Because we know the truth. We know the hope of our, of our calling. You know, and so it helps us to live in such a manner. You know, one of the other things Dr. Tony Evans said, he said, you know, when, when uh, you're playing in a sport, you know, and, and maybe your teammate isn't on your team anymore, you know, they get traded or they have to retire or whatever, you know, he says, you got to keep on playing. <laughs> you just got to keep going. He was talking about how he lost a teammate and his wife but he was still in the game. 
He still had a place to go in the game. And it's with this great hope and with this great comfort, we see no matter where you're sitting, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your you know, season of life you're in, you're called to live with eternity in mind with effectiveness here on earth. Live in such a manner that it would be honoring and pleasing to God, right? Yeah, there'll be more, like I said, there'll be more on this uh, next week. But this really does change the way we live. Uh, and it also changes the fears we face. Like, where do the fears go? You know, when you know, because uh, usually you could play like this game where you go, all right, what's the worst case scenario? And I try to do that, you know, with my kids with fears, you know. One of mine's afraid of our, our cat a little bit. So what's the worst case scenario? What's she going to do to you? You know, she might scratch me. Okay, I understand that fear. What do you think is going to happen with that scratch? Do you think it'll hurt? Or you think, will it? And you always usually always get up to the end where you go, will it kill you? And you go, well, maybe if I get an infection and, you know, whatever. You can go all down the whole line, right? But usually you can get to that place where you go, will it kill you? Well, for the Christian, every single answer is, will it kill you? Well, will that be the end? No. So no matter where you're at, no matter what you're enduring, no matter what you're, you're, you're going through, it's not the end. You know, and even if it means, you know, we found out, I, I really covet your prayers for this. Um, the, the guy I've been under, who's discipled thousands of pastors, has cancer. Uh, he had a melanoma, melanoma like six years ago, and then... It, I guess it was in his bladder, and they think they can get it, and then they found some in the lungs, and it might be okay. They don't know. It's all up in the air. And he, he uh, taught our class anyway. <laughs> He's just like, tried to get on a plane. They said, you can't go on a plane. He's like, ah. He said, he said they told me no plane or no skydiving. He, or, I mean, uh, not skydiving, scuba diving. He says, I wasn't planning on scuba diving, but the plane, I was kind of hoping. So we ended up doing it on Zoom. But he had these principles for, for living life, you know? And it was like this calm, trusting in God, uh, not living in the what ifs. That was one of them. I wish I had it on me right now. It's on my phone, which is right there. Um, but it's these, these common principles to, to like, in the midst of it, not live in the what ifs. That's where Satan is, the future. Deal in the now, the presence. Lord, you're with me. Help me to focus on not what I can't do, but what I can do. Give me all the information. Don't reflect on the past and dwell on it. Learn from your mistakes. Move forward. Yeah, that's it. I actually got it. I had them all in there. But the main thing was, was the what ifs, the future, the what ifs, all of that. It's unknown, right? Satan dwells there. You should not be there doing that. But then the, the, the other thing was, Jesus is in the present, but he's easy to miss, just like the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Got to have our eyes focused and looking, Lord, what are you doing right here and right now? And it's by this idea of eternity and by this idea that a good God is coming to rescue his people and pull us up and to, and to give us this new hope, new life. Oh, man, that's going to be so awesome. In the meantime, I have a job to do. You know, coaches, when we play football, would always say, and I think they really believed it because what they experienced was like, you'll never get this back again. This is your scene. We played in the CIF finals my junior and senior year. And they were like saying, you'll never get this opportunity ever again. So lay, leave it all on the field. 
And, you know, most coaches are, like, living in their, like, past. They're like, I wish I could, you know. Okay, calm down. We're, like, 17, you know. But I remember that being a motivator my senior year, playing in my final game, you're going to go a little harder. You're going to give every single thing you have in light of what I know about the future. I'm not going to play college football. This will be the last time I put pads on like this. And so we live our lives in that same way. We'll never get this shot again. We're never going to get this day back again. So Lord, help me to live in light of eternity with effectiveness here on earth. To, To do my job well, to love people well, to care, to put all the stupid stuff that doesn't matter to the side. You know, and even as as society seemingly caves, we are the people that bring hope in the midst of that. That as, as we saw, early church, first church, is it doesn't matter what society does. God could still do it. The fastest growing churches are in countries where it's illegal to be a Christian. Figure that out, you know. It's like, God can do whatever he wants to do and use us however he wants to use us. And he's calling us, though, in light of eternity, live effectively. More on this next week. I hope you're encouraged because that is the goal, right? So this is to give hope and this is to bring comfort, right? So that no matter where you are, no matter what you're struggling, it is not gonna be it. I remember my senior year, that game, being exhausted. And I remember cramping up and I remember being like, when is this gonna end you know, and we're just battling and fighting. We ended up losing. So the pain was, you know, endured. But my bodily pain was gone within like three days. It was gone, you know? And, and like, what I remember is not like, oh man, I wish I would have laid off on that a little bit. My, you know, my legs were a little bit sore than usual. It's like, go all out. This is all that matters. It's preaching Jesus through our lives and, and, and to know the hope that is in us, that we would be not uninformed, but we would know why we believe the things we believe so that we can tell it to others without apologetics, without being uh, apologetic about it. Apologetics, yes, but without being unapologetically. Tell them about the hope that is found in Jesus because you actually believe it, you actually know it, and, and the world changes just like that. A couple of men and women lit on fire works. So, Lord, we thank you so much for your word and the fact that you want to comfort us. You want to encourage us. You don't want to, like, leave us out in the dust to figure it out on our own. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us to live with eternity in mind and that would change the way we live here on earth. Not like we're looking for an escape hatch to get out of here, 